Section 12 of The Science History of the Universe, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Science History of the Universe, Volume 5. Edited by Francis Rolt Wheeler. Biology, Chapter 8. Life Processes, Part 1. Nutrition thus, as has been pointed out, makes it possible to classify most organisms as animals or plants. Yet there are many unicellular forms in which both kinds of nutrition go on at the same time. That is, the forms may possess a mouth for the ingestion of solid food and green coloring matter, chlorophyll, for the manufacture of starchy food from gaseous matter. Many of the lowest forms of life have long been puzzles, and the beginner in biological study is surprised to find them described in textbooks of both botany and zoology. The fact is that they are on the borderline, are neither plants nor animals, but simply organisms. Since they cannot be classified, it is necessary that they be listed both under botany and zoology, in order to make sure that they will not be omitted entirely. Because of these uncertain forms of life, Haeckel proposed once to include all one-celled animals and plants in a third kingdom to be called protista, meaning the first of all life. Parker's definition of animals and plants, based on the foregoing considerations, is convenient for distinguishing between animals and plants in all cases except the doubtful unicellular forms. He says, Animals are organisms of fixed and definite form, in which the cell body is not covered with a cellulose wall. They ingest solid proteinaceous food, their nutritive processes result in oxidation, they have a definite organ of excretion, and are capable of automatic movement. Plants are organisms of constantly varying form, in which the cell body is surrounded by a cellulose wall. They cannot ingest solid food, but are nourished by a watery solution of nutrient materials. If chlorophyll is present, the carbon dioxide of the air serves as a source of carbon. Nitrogen is obtained from simple salts, and the nutritive processes result in deoxidation. If chlorophyll is absent, carbon is obtained from sugar or some similar compound. Nitrogen, either from simple salts, or from proteids, and the process of nutrition is one of oxidation. There is no special excretory organ, and, except in the case of certain reproductive bodies, there is usually no locomotion. The important point to recognize is that these boundaries are artificial, and that there are no scientific frontiers in nature. As in the liquefaction of gases, there is a critical point at which the substance under experiment is neither gaseous nor liquid. As in a mountainous country, it is impossible to say where mountain ends and valley begins. As in the development of an animal, it is futile to argue about the exact period when, for instance, the egg becomes a tadpole or the tadpole a frog, so in the case under discussion. The distinction between the higher plants and animals is perfectly sharp and obvious, but when the two groups are traced downward, they are found gradually to merge, 
as it were into an assemblage of organisms which partake of the characters of both kingdoms and cannot without a certain violence be either included in or excluded from either when any given protist has to be classified the case must be decided on its individual merits the organism must be compared in detail with all those which resemble it closely in structure physiology and life history and then a balance must be struck and the doubtful form placed in the kingdom with which it has on the whole most points in common it will no doubt occur to the reader that on the theory of evolution the fact of the animal and vegetable kingdoms being related to one another like two trees united at the roots may be accounted for by the hypothesis that the earliest organisms were protists and that from them animals and plants were evolved along divergent lines of descent and in this connection the fact that some bacteria the simplest organisms known and devoid of chlorophyll may flourish in solutions wholly devoid of organic matter is very significant the lower plants and animals referred to above are so far from everyday observation and hence so unfamiliar that to most people the comparison made will mean little in terms of ordinary green flowering plants and common vertebrate animals in order to emphasize the fundamental similarity of organic function in higher and lower animals and plants let us compare any higher plant e g a bean plant with a higher animal e g frog or even man in each the life is the sum total of a series of definite processes nutrition or food supply circulation metabolism excretion oxygenation part of respiration movement irritability nervous activity and reproduction in turn these will be compared for the animal and the plant following in part the comparisons of certain animals and plants by sedgwick and wilson and others these comparisons will however be translated into terms applicable to any species of higher plants or animals in the nutrition of the animal the most essential and characteristic part of the food supply is derived from vegetable or animal matter in the form of various organic compounds of which the most important are proteids protoplasm albumin etc carbohydrates starch cellulose and fats these materials are used by the animal in the manufacture of new protoplasm to take the place of that which has been used up it is however impossible for the animal to build these materials directly into the substance of its own body they must first undergo certain preparatory chemical changes known collectively as digestion and only after the completion of this process can all the food be absorbed into the circulation for this purpose the food is taken not into the body proper but into a kind of tubular chemical laboratory called the alimentary canal through which it slowly passes being subjected meanwhile to the action of certain chemical substances or reagents known as digestive ferments these substances which are dissolved in a watery liquid to form the digestive fluid are secreted by the walls of the alimentary tube through their action the solid portions are liquefied and the food is rendered capable of absorption into the body proper 
the food supply of the higher plant like that of the animal is the source of the required matter and energy but unlike that of the animal it is not chiefly an income of foods but only of the raw materials of food matter enters the plant in the liquid or gaseous form by diffusion both from the soil through the roots liquids and from the atmosphere through the leaves gases we have here the direct absorption into the body proper of foodstuffs precisely as the animal takes in water and oxygen energy enters the plant to a small extent as the potential energy of foodstuffs but comes in principally as the kinetic energy of sunlight absorbed in the leaves of the substances the solids salts etc must be dissolved in water before they can be taken in water and dissolved salts continually pass by diffusion from the soil into the roots where together they constitute the sap the sap travels throughout the whole plant the main though not the only cause of movement being the constant transpiration evaporation of watery vapor from the leaves especially through the stomata the gaseous matters carbon dioxide oxygen nitrogen enter the plant mainly by diffusion from the atmosphere are dissolved by the sap in the leaves and elsewhere and thus may pass to every portion of the plant the green plant owes its power of absorbing the energy of sunlight to the chlorophyll bodies or chromatophores for plants which like fungi etc are devoid of chlorophyll are unable thus to acquire energy entering the chlorophyll bodies the kinetic energy of sunlight is applied to the decomposition of carbon dioxide and water after passing through manifold but imperfectly known processes the elements of these substances finally reappear as starch often in the form of granules embedded in the chlorophyll bodies and free oxygen most of which is returned to the atmosphere thus the leaf of a green plant in the light is continually absorbing carbon dioxide and giving forth free oxygen carbon dioxide and water contain no potential energy since the affinities of their constituent elements are completely satisfied starch however contains potential energy since the molecule is relatively unstable i e capable of decomposition into simpler stabler molecules in which stronger affinities are satisfied and this is due to the fact that in the manufacture of starch in the chlorophyll bodies the kinetic energy of sunlight was expended in lifting the atoms into position of vantage thus endowing them with energy of position in this way some of the radiant and kinetic energy of the sun comes to be stored up as potential energy in the starch in short the green plant is able by cooperation with sunlight to use simple raw materials carbon dioxide water oxygen etc poor in energy or devoid of it and out of them to manufacture food i e complex compounds rich in available potential energy this power is possessed by green plants alone all other organisms being dependent for energy upon the potential energy of ready-made food this must in the first instance be provided for them by green plants and hence without chlorophyll bearing plants animals and colorless plants as well 
apparently could not long exist. The plant absorbs also a small amount of kinetic energy, independently of the sunlight, in the form of heat. This, however, is probably not a source of vital energy, but only contributes to the maintenance of the body temperature. Food, starch, thus produced in the green leaves of higher plants and the inorganic foods, water, nitrates or nitrates and various mineral substances in solution in water, furnish the materials and energy required for the life and growth of the plant. The circulatory system distributes these foods. In animals, foods prepared for absorption in the stomach and intestine by digestion are absorbed by the circulating liquids, blood and lymph, and transported to all cells of the animal body. In the plant, the inorganic matter in water from the soil are absorbed by the roots and carried up definite tubes in the woody part of the stem. The causes of this ascent are not clear, but root pressure due to osmosis, capillary action and evaporation from the leaves are factors. Just as the solid food of animals must be digested in preparation for absorption, so starch manufactured in the leaves must be digested, dissolved, before it can be transported. This is done by diastase, an enzyme of plant cells. The change is from starch to a sugar capable of diffusion. Dissolved in water, the sugar is transported down delicate tubes, chiefly in the growing bark region of the stem. It is clear that there are upward and downward currents of water containing food, comparable to blood of an animal, but no system of complete circulation as in the blood vessels of a higher animal. However, the result in distributed food is the same in the plant and in the animal. In the cells, the foods undergo metabolic changes. In an animal, the foods in the circulating liquids, blood and lymph, are selected and absorbed by the cells. Only protide foods form new protoplasm, and even of protides, only a limited amount, 75 to 100 grams a day for a man, is built into new protoplasm. The excess undergoes oxidation and forms nitrogen excretions. The foods containing only the elements carbon, hydrogen and oxygen, fats and carbohydrates, are directly oxidized to excretions and, lacking nitrogen, cannot serve for making new animal protoplasm. Fat and carbohydrate foods, then, never become living matter. They may be stored, especially as fat, until needed for oxidation to supply energy. The building up of the protoplasm from protides is anabolism, constructive metabolism. The destruction of protoplasm, excess protides or the fat and carbohydrate foods, is catabolism, destructive metabolism. Catabolism is probably due to enzyme action, but the final result is chiefly carbon dioxide and water, which could be derived by the ordinary chemical evolution of protoplasm, protide, sugar, starch, or fats. In the plant, starch, as has been seen, is first formed in the chlorophyll bodies. But the formation of starch, all important as it is, 
is after all only the manufacture of food as a preliminary to the real processes of nutrition these processes must take place everywhere in ordinary protoplasm for it is here that oxidation occurs and the need for a renewal of matter and energy consequently arises sooner or later the starch grains are changed into a kind of sugar glucose which unlike starch dissolves in the sap and may thus be easily transported to all parts of the plant wherever there is need for new protoplasm whether to repair previous waste or to supply materials for growth after absorption into the cells the elements of the starch or glucose are by the living protoplasm in some unknown way combined with nitrogen and sulfur probably also with salts water etc to form proteid matter the particles of this newly formed compound are incorporated into the protoplasm if a larger quantity of starch is formed in the chlorophyll bodies than is immediately needed by the protoplasm for purposes of repair or growth it may be reconverted into starch after journeying as glucose through the plant and be laid down as reserve starch in the cells of root or stem or elsewhere apparently when this reserve supply is finally needed at any point in the plant it is again changed to glucose and transported thither it is probable that new leaves and new tissues generally are always formed in part from this reserve starch in the plant as in the animal metabolism must consist of anabolic and catabolic processes the construction in the cells of new proteid from the absorbed carbohydrate and the materials from the soil is true anabolism it is also clear that catabolism or oxidation for the liberation of energy occurs as in animals but this process is slower probably foods containing carbon hydrogen and oxygen are the sources of energy in the higher plants as in animals in both plants and animals simple waste substances result from the catabolic processes in the cells in the animal carbon dioxide water and nitrogen compounds are the chief excretions they are absorbed by the circulating liquids and carried to the eliminating organs lungs and kidneys chiefly for elimination in the higher plants the excretions are carbon dioxide which escapes through the epidermis of root stem and leaf and through the stomata water which is lost by evaporation especially from the leaf surface through the stomata excretions which are lost by osmosis through the roots and the accumulated but useless mineral substances which are eliminated by leaf fall in both animals and plants oxygen is essential to the catabolic part of metabolism hence oxygen must be supplied to the cells oxygenation is the term used to denote the oxygen supplying part of respiration the other part of respiration elimination of carbon dioxide has been treated under excretions in the animal oxygen is absorbed by the blood in excess by the hemoglobin of the red cells of the blood and later is absorbed from the blood and lymph by all the living cells in the plant also oxygen is absorbed through the epidermis and stomata from the air 
this process is however obscured during the day because of the oxygen freed in the manufacture of starch which goes on at that time probably this freed oxygen is used for the purpose of oxygenation but more is freed in the photosynthetic process than is needed for oxygenation and hence the excess oxygen is eliminated while starch manufacture is in process in comparing a higher animal and a green plant confusion must be avoided regarding the part played by oxygen and carbon dioxide in true respiration with the part played by the same substances in starch formation photosynthesis in non-green plants like the indian pipe and mushrooms the breathing of oxygen and the excretion of carbon dioxide are as in the animal this is true also of green plants in darkness and even in the light of all parts of green plants except the chlorophyll bodies these constitute a sort of extra mechanism enabling green plants to make their own carbohydrate food imagine a higher animal with an attachment for turning the carbon dioxide and water excreted back to starch usable as food and the comparison of the green plant and the animal would be complete end of section 12 recording by linda johnson